This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. And I'm not just saying that, like, we literally didn't do turkey at Christmas. We would do, like, an assembly line, and we would do schnitzel. It's about as stereotypically Austrian as it gets. And then on my dad's side, I'm actually an equal mix of Ukrainian and indigenous. I actually come from the Bear Clan of the Soto First Nations group from Fishing Lake First Nation Reserve in Saskatchewan on Treaty 4. I remember in my early years growing up on handmade pierogies and going to powwows and ceremony with my cookum, which translates as grandma. And I, I loved my grandma probably more than anyone I've ever known. Um, she literally helped raise my sister and I. And, and, and when I remember her, I can literally still hear her laugh and, and I can still smell the tobacco that would linger on her clothing. When I was a bit older, we moved from my dad's work and we ended up disconnecting from our indigenous culture. My grandma came with us to help take care of my sister and I, but something about this move buried away that side of our heritage. Growing up, I couldn't talk about our indigenous culture or the injustices that exist in our indigenous communities without an ache that would last in my soul for days. I wanted to be a part of it so bad, but I just felt like I had no ownership or claim to it. I, I, because I felt because I didn't present physically as an indigenous person, I had no ownership or claim over that part of my identity. So slowly, we kind of just stopped talking about it as much in my family. And it wouldn't be until university that my sister and I would actually start a journey of reconnection to our indigenous culture. Um, so after high school, I moved to Calgary to do business, which was almost eight years ago, which is wild. And I was passionate about missions and living cross-culturally. And I actually had the opportunity to serve overseas um, doing a business internship with a ministry that is working to fight human trafficking and spread the gospel called Woven International. And I actually work full-time for Woven International now, but I'll get to that in just a second. But the cool thing about this internship, how I got connected with Woven, is I did nothing to find it. I remember praying to the Lord, saying, God, I want to use my, my business schooling to serve you overseas. And I don't know what that looks like. And I did nothing else, and he dropped it into my lap. So I lived in Southeast Asia for about eight months in 2019, and it completely changed my life. It's an incredible ministry. Woven has been combating human trafficking and, and spreading the gospel in a closed country in Southeast Asia for just about 15 years. And I say closed because of the realities that Christians face in this region of the world. Evangeliz evangelizing, sharing your faith, is actually illegal in this part of the world, and, and Christians are persecuted harshly for their faith. When I was there, I helped primarily with marketing, and I continued volunteering with Woven upon my return to Canada to finish my degree. So I knew that I was going to stay with Woven long term. It, it changed my life, but I thought it was going to be more in a volunteering perspective, or perspective, a volunteering um, position. Um, and I was planning on going into corporate, as many people do after going to business school, and I was excited to finally be out of university. And I had a job lined up, and I was ready. But things changed in my last semester of university, in the fall of 2020. 
my, uh, my grandmother passed away, and it, it was really, really hard losing her. But it was also one of, one of the most beautiful examples of the Lord using death to bring life. And so we had a traditional funeral for my grandmother on a reserve, which in our culture looks like having a wake, where you stay up all night and you eat, you drink coffee, and you tell stories and you laugh. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to experience. And it was one of the first times where my sister and I actually felt embraced and loved by our community. And I remember feeling the Lord talking to me that night. And, and I heard him say, Jacqueline, I see this longing in your heart to be a part of this community, to minister with this community, and I'm going to make a way for you. If you follow me and you trust me, I'm going to make a way for you. And, 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 and I remember going back, um, coming back to Calgary, and I, I said, yes, I was, God, whatever you have for me, I, I'm, I'm all in. And the day I came back from, from Saskatchewan, from my grandmother's reserve, I got a call from my team members, my other team members at Woven. And they said, Jackie, we know this is really soon after your grandmother's funeral, and we're sorry, but we have such a burden on our heart. We can't, we can't wait to talk to you. But we have, we've been hit in our hearts by the fact that we are combating human trafficking in Southeast Asia, which is important, and it's needed, and it's a problem over there. But we're challenged that we're not even doing anything to acknowledge this issue in our own country. And we know that it disproportionately affects indigenous women and girls. And, and we, we wanted to ask you if you would lead our organization in exploring what it looks like to be an ally to indigenous men and women here in Canada. Wild. That's wild. I remember going home and, and, and literally crying at how good God is and how he would literally orchestrate something better than I could even ask for, that he would combine things that aren't, in my mind, weren't related to literally speak to this deep ache and longing and burden in my soul. So I didn't go into corporate, obviously, and I entered into full-time ministry in January 2021, so just about a year and a half ago. And so I've been involved in ministry throughout my life, um, and I was called full-time, like I just said, in 2021, but I didn't truly understand this calling, this invitation, until this time last year, actually, around July, August 2021 when I was reading through John 6, 1 to 13, which is the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the scripture, or rather this new revelation of the scripture, changed my life. And that's something I want to share with you this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to John 6. Um, if not, you can read it on the screen with me. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. 
There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now I'm sure many of us have heard the scripture so many times. It's, it's one of those stories that's in the children's storybooks, you know, those Bible books. Okay, it was just in mine, that's okay. <laughs> Um, but that actually brings, uh, brings a thought to my mind. If you didn't grow up in the church, if you are new to the faith and these stories are new to you, please speak boldly to us in the, ch- in the church. We need your perspective because what happens when you grow up in the, in the church and you hear these stories over and over, they become commonplace. Do you know what I mean? Like I read this story um, kind of methodically, you know, 5,000 men were there. There was even more women and children and Jesus had a question. The disciples didn't have faith. Surprise, surprise. We would have been very different because we're better. Yeah, that's very sarcastic, by the way. I don't want any angry emails. Well, you can email Dave, (laughs) Pastor Dave. (laughs) But everyone ate. There was leftovers. God is good. Amen, amen. It's tied up in a nice bow. Yes? Yeah? But like every story in the Bible, there's way more here. In verse 5, Jesus sees the crowd and he asks Philip, where shall we buy enough bread for these people to eat? And Philip replies, eight months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for each one to have a bite. I don't know about you guys, but I tend to read this in a bit of a sarcastic tone, but also, I don't know if that's theologically sound. So once again, email Dave if you're upset about that. But that doesn't matter, obviously. Philip was shocked by this, yes? And and it is wild. I think we would be shocked too. And I want us to kind of imagine something, if you could just humor me for a second. You are at a sports game of your choice in a stadium. This isn't my area, so you choose the sports game. You're with Jesus. It's cool. You're watching a sports game with Jesus. And at your said sports game, during halftime, Jesus turns to you and says, okay, everyone's hungry. Where are we going to get burgers for everybody to eat? Okay, I know it's kind of silly, but you'd be like, Jesus, that would, like, half of my salary wouldn't even be enough to give each person a bite of a burger. Okay, I know that's kind of a stretch, but it kind of gives us, it helps us think a little bit more, like, how shocking this was. There was thousands of people there, and the disciples depended on financial support. Did you know that? They didn't have, they weren't, like, rolling in money. They, 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 it probably stressed Philip out, making sure that everyone, all of their disciples had enough to eat let alone thousands of people. It was truly an impossible task and arguably almost an insulting ask. Then comes the boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. What true humility it must have taken to even suggest this, let alone offer it to Jesus to be used. The disciple Andrew, who seems to have actually found the boy, even questions whether the boy's offering is worth making. How far will they go among so many, Andrew says. We might have said this lunch is truly less than a drop in the ocean. And I want us to pause here and once again put ourselves into this scenario. I think most of us honestly wouldn't have even considered offering our lunch. Maybe for some of us out of greed or scarcity, 
but I think for s most of us, it would be out of sheer overwhelm uh, at the amount of mouths that needed to be fed. We might share a few bites with those around us if we were extra good Christians, maybe. But that would likely be the extent of our uh, generosity, or maybe the better word here is faith. And for more than a few of us, I think the word is pride. The amount our pride would allow us to go. But the boy came forward and he offered it to be used by God. His small lunch would then feed over 5,000 people with 12 baskets of leftovers. And I think this is part of the reason why we're called to have childlike faith. There are so many powerful lessons interwoven into the story. The compassion of Jesus, the generosity of God, the importance of thankfulness. But the lesson that I want us to take away today is that of the shocking ask of Jesus to Philip. And the arguably, in our eyes, our worldly eyes, the arguably pathetic offering of the boy. I want us to notice the three different responses to Jesus, his, his call or his invitation. Right? We have Philip, who almost, like, he kind of gives up before he even tries, right? He's like, this is impossible. And then we have Andrew, who, who has an offering, but then when he allows his doubts and his fears to come in, he kind of retracts it. He's like, oh, here's, here's, here's a boy with lunch, but it probably wouldn't help. And then we have the boy who offered his lunch to be multiplied. Feeding that many people was impossible, and many of us would have looked at our little lunch, our offering, and we would feel almost embarrassed, and we'd probably give up before we even tried. It wouldn't have done much anyway, we might have thought. Some of us would have simply scoffed at the ask like Philip. How, what a crazy uh, thing to ask Jesus. But this miracle required a humble offering in faith. The boy's small lunch needed to be offered to be multiplied. And this happens so much today. You know, we see the mountains in our lives, the impossible numbers of mouths to feed, the disunity in our communities, in our nation, the, the size and problem of poverty, of human trafficking, of exploitation. We see our depleting bank accounts, our increasing debt, the brokenness in our homes, our relationships, and in defeat, we give up before even trying. We can often feel embarrassed by what little we have to give, and, and maybe we don't even see the point in trying, because what could we do? What difference could I make? You know, I, I only have $10 to give. That's all I can afford, but that's true. Like, what, what could that do? I'm just one person. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've been at this job for a few weeks. I have no say over the culture. I've been at this job for too long. Nothing could change here. All I have are five loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? I just don't have what it takes. And of course we don't have what it takes. That would mean that we didn't need God. That would mean that we are God. Uh, Pastor Jess actually um, said this about a year ago, and I wrote it down, and it still impacts me today. She said, God will fight our battles. He will perform miracles, but this does not absolve us from our responsibility to act. Yes, Jesus multiplies. Yes, Jesus performs a miracle, but we need to offer. We need to bring our lunch. We need to give it to the Lord. 
We need to humbly offer what we have in faith before we can see it multiplied, before the miracle. Give God what, it, what you have and praise God if it feels small. Praise God for our weaknesses because that is what, that's how God gets the glory, right? The Gospel of Matthew shares this story as well. Matthew 14, 15 to 18 says, Later that afternoon, the disciples came to Jesus and said, It's going to be dark soon and the people are hungry, but there's nothing to eat here in this desolate place. You should send the crowds away to the nearby villages to buy themselves some food. They don't need to leave, Jesus responded. You can give them something to eat. They answered, But all we have is five barley loaves and two fish. Let me have them, Jesus replied. Let me have them. And I believe that this is what Jesus is, is saying to us this morning. Let me have them. Let me have your offering. Let me have your five barley loaves and two fish. Give them to me and watch them be multiplied beyond your imagination. And you might be thinking, oh, Jackie, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. Wow, this is amazing. And... And, and you'd, be, you'd be right. But, but you, might, you, might, you might also be thinking here, okay, this is great, this is analogy, this is metaphor, it's beautiful, but okay, where do I start? You know, let's make, can we make this practical? What do I do? How do I see the multiplication of five barley loaves and two fish? We're going to go right back to Sunday school. Can anyone guess what I'm going to say? You can say it. Pray. It's okay. I'll do it again later, and then we'll, we'll practice it later again, okay? But yeah, we pray. I, and I know it, it sounds lame to say that, but can I, t can I share a story with you? Our entire organization, Woven International, started that simple. Fifteen years ago, two women, two local Southeast Asian women, I'm going to refer to them as Noi and B to protect their identities, but they were praying with a group of women in their church for God to transform their country and to use them to transform it. A prayer group. Their work started after coming across a woman in the terminal stages of cancer. And she begged them, she said, my eight-year-old daughter has been trafficked and I don't know where she is. Can you find her? By the grace of God, they found this young girl and they actually took her into their homes. And with their love and their care, this little girl actually found healing. And, and fun part of the, the cool part of the story is this young girl is actually one of our staff in our safe homes. But the entire organization of Woven was ignited by this one girl's life. And it started out of a prayer group. Not, not to fight exploitation, but just, just for God to use them to transform their country. From the start, God made it very clear that this was his project. Through countless miracles and through the testimonies of Noi and B, God is the clear author of our organization's story. They had no idea what God had in store for them when they were praying. They simply offered God their hearts. And we know that God is in the business of taking what we have and making it more than we can imagine. Amen? Today we have four safe homes that care for roughly 25 girls, a vocational training program, four safe work businesses that provide employment to not only our girls, but to vulnerable uh, communities and individuals, including Christians. We do rehabilitation, prevention, vocational training, evangelism, advocacy, poverty alleviation, business development, and outreach. Our impact is in the thousands. 
true, like people groups have heard about Jesus for the first time. Hundreds of young women have gone through our program. Our story has inspired people all over the globe. And I don't say this to boast. I say this to show you how God has multiplied the offering. All of this started with a group of women praying at their church for God to transform their country. They were fa- Noi and B were facing their own impossible task, their own call to feed the thousands. Their country was entirely Buddhist. As Christians, they faced harsh persecution. Exploitation was extremely prevalent, and they were women. There was not a lot they could do. But they started with a simple offering, and they started in prayer. When Jesus called me into this ministry, I felt, I felt very much like Andrew in this story. I wanted to be a part of God's ministry of reconciliation, but I felt like I came forward with the offering, but then almost immediately felt overwhelmed by the problem and at a loss of what I could do. It was almost like, okay, God, yes, I'm in, but uh, I don't know. What could I do? You know, it's easy to think of human trafficking as an overseas issue. And it, it's a huge issue all over the world, but it's a problem in our, in our nation as well. It's a huge problem here, actually. And, and our church does um, su- support some amazing um, ministries that combat it. But I want to share a, qu- um, a stat with you um, for a second. So indigenous women, they make up about 4% of our female population of Canada. 4% but they make up 50% of the recorded trafficking victims. That's recorded. That's insane. And it's not okay. I, I was overwhelmed this time last year. Where do you even start? I was so lost in imposter syndrome I honestly, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable with, with you. I, I almost gave up this time last year. I remember, I remember starting the year with so much encouragement and, and vision and inspiration. I think that happens, right? We, we get a, a vision from the Lord, and we start off, and we're so excited. But it gets hard. And I'm sure there's a lot of you, too, who have visions uh, of a way God can use you, and, and you have passions in your life. But, man, it, it's that inspiration. It gets you going, but it's... It's hard. And I remember praying, and I, and I, I was just asking God, like, how do I do this? I felt like I was carrying the weight of the world. I felt like I was carrying the weight of human trafficking in Canada all on my shoulders. And God reminded me of the story of Woven. He said, Your organization started with a prayer group. Why would this be any different? He he gently walked me through this new revelation of this scripture story, and he said, the pressure is not on you, Jacqueline. I want us to go back to the scripture. When Jesus asked Philip where they were going to find food, 
He wasn't asking Philip to figure it out. It says in scripture that Jesus already had a plan in mind of how he was going to do it. The pressure was not on Philip to feed the thousands. This was not an ask of Jesus. It was an invitation into the miracle. And Jesus did the same thing in my heart. He said, Jacqueline, I'm not calling you to solve human trafficking in Canada. I'm not calling you to even lead this ministry. I'm not even calling you to figure out how to connect with your culture. I'm inviting you into my plan for all of that. It's so easy to get lost in the pressure, right? I mean, come on, we can look at, we look at the news, right? We look at our social media, it's heavy, right? Sometimes it can just feel like there's so much going on. I want to um, share a quote with you that has given me a lot of comfort and, um, and perspective over the year. It's from, it's from the Talmud, and, and the Talmud, if you don't know, is um, a collection of Jewish writings on ancient law and tradition. And it says, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. And now, I don't know, this, this brings up, it brought up for me, like Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what, does, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. It's so easy to numb ourselves to the overwhelming pain of this world. It is tempting to distance ourselves from issues that we don't feel close to or responsible for. But the truth is, none of us are off the hook from participating in the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have a duty to care for our neighbors, and we know this to be a wider group than the dictionary definition otherwise suggests, yes? Can I... um, We are in a really exciting season as a ministry, actually. In this last year, the Lord has connected us to some amazing individuals, activists in the community. We are actually working on um, a preventative curriculum with an elder on one of the local reserves here in Calgary, or outside of Calgary, to work with communities to develop, um, to develop already existing support systems to prevent trafficking and exploitation from ever happening. We are doing awareness Um, in Saskatchewan and here in Alberta about this issue. And it's honestly, the Lord has been doing amazing things and I would love to have you on this journey with me. I have a a newsletter sign up out there by the welcome desk if you'd like to follow along. But I just want to, it's easy to hear my story and, and then kind of discount ourselves, right? Like, like this is for, like, oh, that's inspiring, it's awesome, but this is for like, specific types of Christians, right? You know, it's like for pastors, you know, like Pastor Jess and Pastor Dave, they're called to this. Yeah, but I I do, like I'm an accountant or I I work at a cafe, you know? But can I I suggest something to us this morning? We are all called to full-time ministry. 
oh, and that's, that's a great statement, but like, really? Yes, really. Y you know, you, you work in corporate, you're in full-time ministry, you're called to it. Do you work at a cafe as a barista? You are called to full-time ministry. Do you work as a mechanic? That's holy work. I think t sometimes we tend to, we make a hierarchy as Christians, you, you know, like we think, you know, like pastors, people in like, you know, traditional missionaries who go overseas, you know, they're holy, this is the holy work, and then we have all of our other uh, careers, you know, this, is, this pays the bills, right, and we'll go to church on Sundays, and we'll be nice to people, you know, we'll let people in in traffic, I'll let the Lord, we, the Lord will challenge our hearts. Um, but, but that's not the case. The Lord does not have a hierarchy of jobs. Your work is holy work. Are you a student? Can I speak to the students? Because I remember being in school and always saying things like, I can't wait till I graduate. Then I can really serve the Lord. Then I can really finally donate my, my, my finances. You know, if you, or, or maybe you're like, okay, once I finally get a house, I can be hospitable. Once I get married, we can, we can do a cool marriage ministry or something. Or, or you're thinking, okay, well, once I get out of debt, then I can really serve the church. Once I sort out my sin, yeah, then I can do it. No. This calling, this invitation is for you right now. And, and I, I want to stress that because it's so easy to live our lives like waiting for the next season, right? But look at your story. What does your heart burn for? God's calling, his invitation is interwoven throughout all of that. And let me also remind you to not overcomplicate this call, this invitation to full-time ministry. Pray. It's truly, my friends, as simple as that. You don't know what to pray for? Ask God, God, what do you want, what do you want me to pray for today? Do you want to know a simple, for those of you who are more detail-oriented, pray for Calgary. Pray for our city. Pray for our country. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for this church. Pray for your leaders. Pray with people. You don't know people? Get involved in a small group. Pray with them. Go on prayer walks. Do not discount the simplicity of, the be of, be of our beginnings. Right? Our ministry started with a prayer group, and it's impacted thousands of people. This miracle started with a lunch. And let me also stretch us, right? Our ministry is not just our works. Our ministry is literally caring for our neighbors, Right? Wherever you are, right now, Jesus is calling you. And, and the, let me also remind you that the pressure is not on us. This is, we say calling, but this is an invitation into the miracle, into this, into this story, into building, into God's kingdom. And I also know that sometimes it's easy to hear these kinds of stories and think, okay, well, Jackie, she grew up as a Christian. You know, she, she's different from me. You don't know what I struggle with behind closed doors. 
you don't know the stuff that I have inside. Maybe I'll get it sorted and then God can use me. And I just want to speak to you specifically right now that your life does not qualify you. Do you see that cross up there? That's what qualifies you. We are, like, we, you are qualified through nothing you have done and nothing you have not done. You are qualified because what Jesus did on that cross. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're facing. I know this life is heavy. I know that many of you have, have deep, big callings and, and, and burdens on your life. I know that many of you are facing really difficult things and it's hard to know it's hard to know how God's going to make a miracle happen. But wherever you are right now, I promise you, I guarantee that the Lord is calling you. Calling you to offer what you have, calling you to pray, calling you to have faith. This morning in pre-service prayer, Gifty shared a word about believing for big things and praying with assurance that we serve a good God. We don't serve, we, we don't, we don't, pray to God asking like please could you no we serve a God who loves us already we serve a God who who heals the sick who 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 makes the blind see we serve the waymaker right we serve the we serve a miracle working God do we believe that do we believe that if we were at this on this hill with thousands of people and Jesus turned to us and asked where shall we find food do we believe that Jesus would follow through do we If you don't know the Lord, this invitation is for you too. Because that's, well, that's what it is. It's an invitation. And if, you, if you've never made the choice to, to make Jesus your Savior, I would encourage you to do it this morning because he's calling you by name. And we're going to go into Waymaker and I want us to worship together, but I want it to be our offering. I want us to respond to this invitation from the Lord. And I, and I want to encourage us, can we close our eyes and can we just have a moment with the Lord? Like, don't worry about the person to the right, the person to the left. The Lord is calling you this morning, yes, you, to be a part of to, to be in full-time ministry, to be a part of miracles where thousands are fed from, from five loaves of bread and two fish. Pastor Dave is going to come up after we, after we sing and we respond together. But God's speaking to you right now. And I just want us to take a moment and take time. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.